Good morning, it's Brad Starks, and this is the Roto Lounge Morning Show. It's 6.31 a.m. Eastern Time. We got a lot of news, so let's get right to it. NFL, we start in Los Angeles. Rams second-year wide receiver Van Jefferson is impressing at Rams camp. Uh, you know, Van is an intriguing player for Los Angeles. He was a second-round pick last year. This year, they invested in 2-2 Atwell in the second round. Here's a quote from Coach Sean McVay. I've been very, very pleased with Van Jefferson, McVay said, via the Rams' official site. Very excited about what he's going to do to finish up this offseason, and I know he's going to come back and hit the ground running in training camp. But we're expecting very big things from Van Jefferson. He has been a major bright spot this offseason and somebody that I'm extremely excited about. And I know I share that feeling with the rest of the coaches. I had a podcast earlier this offseason about some freebies, some cheap, cheap, cheap players. Uh, Van Jefferson was on the list. This could be coach speak, but I do think Van Jefferson takes a step uh, in year two in Los Angeles. Top quarterback in the draft, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, last week, former Clemson uh, standout first-round overall pick Trevor Lawrence tweaked his hamstring during organized team activities. The injury does not appear to be too serious as Lawrence attended the Jaguars' mandatory minicamp this past Monday. He was dressed out. He didn't perform uh, in the drills. He had a sleeve on his left leg. He was working off to the side, according to Jacksonville reporters. Uh, but at the end of uh, practice... He didn't throw at all in team drills. He did suit up for the seven-on-seven drills. He charted eight of eight of eleven passes, six straight completions to end the period. Janu Smith has been out of practice for a few days, according to multiple reporters who were in attendance in the rain. Tight end Janu Smith shut things down early in the first session with the team. The exact nature of Smith's issue is unknown, but many of those reporters noted that he was grabbing at his left hamstring while taking, talking to members of the training staff. And I believe uh, Tuesday uh, it you know, was reported it was a hamstring injury. And staying on New England news, uh, numerous outlets are reporting that Jacoby Myers is that dude. Uh, he's looking like the number one wide receiver in the New England Patriots wide receiver rotation. Very cheap acquire in fantasy redrafts right now. Rondell Moore, wide receiver, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, from a beat reporter, second-round wide receiver Rondell Moore is going to be given every opportunity to have a role in this offense as a piece uh, that Cliff Kingsbury has been seeking since he showed up in Arizona. And we know this because he invested high draft capital Andy Isabella, who we thought was going to be that deep threat, that field stretcher. Andy has not developed as hoped, and Rondell Moore is going to get a shot at being that player. Uh, let's see. I have a few more NFL notes. Talking about quarterbacks, uh, Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy told um, Collinsworth at Pro Football Focus that there is no possible scenario that Justin Fields is the starting quarterback week one. Nagy said Andy Dalton is our starter. Justin is our number two, and we are going to stick with this plan. You just got to trust the plan. First of all, let's trust the process. You don't even have that right. This guy is doubling down on an idiotic. He is just such a bad manager or just a, such a bad general manager. Um, I mean, 
Andy Dalton, really? We know what Andy Dalton can do. And you have a young stud in Justin Fields. Now, if if Andy Dalton starts the first snap and then we don't see him the rest of the season, okay. But, you know, come on now. Elijah Moore, a little hot Elijah Moore, uh, hot in rookie drafts right now. Uh, he has been playing uh, the uh, X, no, the Z receiver opposite of Corey Davis. So on the outside, and they've been using Jameson Crowder in the slot. Now, does this change if they release um, Jameson Crowder? It could, but one of the knocks I had on Elijah Moore was he was too small to win on the outside. In order to really hit his ceiling, uh, I stated that he must learn to play the outside and be able to dominate on the outside to be an every down wide receiver, not just a, a slot wide receiver. So it's interesting to know that those three were the starters. Denzel Mims did not get any reps with the number one offense. Um, basically, everybody got a rep with the number one. Almost every other receiver got at least one team, one first team snap, and Denzel Mim got zero. Never been a fan of Denzel Mim. Uh, I, I think it showed a lot when Matt Rule, his former coach for four years, didn't didn't want to add him to the squad. Um, so I've been avoiding him uh, ever since. All right, well, let's get into some Debbie news. Not much. Christian McCaffrey's younger brother, uh, quarterback, has transferred once again for the second time in a year. The now former Louisville quarterback announced on Twitter on Monday that he would be transferring to Rice to restart his journey towards being a starting college quarterback. The news comes less than a week after Cardinals coach Scott Satterfield confirmed McCaffrey had left the program. McCaffrey's transfer to the Owls will mark his third program in less than a year. He began his career as a quarterback at Nebraska. He appeared in seven games and could not win the starting job. I think Martinez is the starter in Nebraska. So, Luke McCaffrey, the younger brother, Christian McCaffrey, and the son of former Denver receiver Ed McCaffrey, is now on his third team, the Temple, no, the Rice Owls. All right, uh, Saturday Down South website, college website, has their rankings of the top five transfers poised for the most success after they left the SEC. We'll run down a few of these players in case you have in your Debbie leagues. Number five, defensive tackle. Saiki Ika Baylor, he did play at LSU. He's the number five um, poised, number five poised for the most success after leaving the SEC. Number four, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Defensive end, his former SEC team was Georgia. Number three, wide receiver Mike Woods. He's now in Oklahoma. His former team was Arkansas. He was expected to line up opposite uh, top prospect wide receiver Jalen Burks there in Arkansas. And here's another that says why he's poised for success. In terms of the unique skill set as a superior deep threat, I'd argue that Wood's absence will be felt more than any SEC transfer who left the conference. Wood was expected to pair extremely well with all SEC receiver Traylon Burks after both took off in first year of the post-Chad Morris era. So this will give us a chance to see how Traylon works um, as the sole number one without any type of uh, coverage being shifted over to Woods on the other side. Number two, cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. He's now in Miami. Former SEC team was Georgia. And number one, the number one player poised for the 
the most success after leaving the SEC is running back Eric Gray, who is now in Oklahoma. His former SEC team was Tennessee. Uh, here's a note why he's poised for success. Well, his former offense lacked creativity and a passing game. Granted, the guy still averaged five yards per carry and caught 30 passes in nine games. To gain over 1,000 scrimmage yards in that offense was no, no small feat. Uh, so now he's moving to Oklahoma, which uh, the defenses cannot stack the box because of uh, Spencer Rattler. So Eric Gray poised to have a good season in Oklahoma. On to bourbon whiskey news. Monday was National Bourbon Day, June 14th. We missed that. Uh, I treated myself to a bottle of Jack Daniels Frank Sinatra Select. And I know that's not bourbon. That's a Tennessee whiskey. But for those that follow me, they know my love for Frank Sinatra. They know my recent love for the Jack Daniels uh, Single Barrel Eric Church Edition. I've really taken a liking to those Jack Daniels High Proof uh, single barrel type whiskeys. It's not the whiskey you remember uh, in high school or in college when you had the whiskey and Coke. Um, it's not the same Jack Daniels that you're used to. So I have not cracked it yet. It cost a pretty penny, but hopefully I'll do a podcast uh, and we will, you know, dive into that Frank Sinatra select Jack Daniels. Bourbon news. So National Bourbon Day was June 14th. And if you think you know everything there is to know about bourbon, here are some facts to help test your knowledge or help you show off at your next cocktail party. So we're going to do 12 facts about bourbon for National Bourbon Day. Number one, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon, right? You have Irish whiskey, you have rye whiskey, you have scotch whiskey, you have Canadian whiskey, you have bourbon whiskey, you have bad whiskey. There's a lot of different whiskeys. They're not all bourbon. There are federally regulated standards that keep the spirits distinct. Bourbon is made with at least 51% corn, which explains its sweeter taste. Number two, there isn't a definitive answer to where bourbon got its name. Uh, it's likely that the House of Bourbon, a powerful dynasty within Europe with many French ties, think Bourbon Street in New Orleans, a lot of French-inspired things in New Orleans they think that it had some type of influence there um, so there's no definite answer of where it got its name next by federal law all bourbon must be produced in the United States but not necessarily Kentucky so if it's made outside the United States it is not legally classified as bourbon whiskey uh, according to Kentucky Distilleries Association 95% of the world supply of bourbon is made in Kentucky some Kentucky bourbon makers say that limestone spring water helps make the state's bourbon stand out. That's definitely a uh, positive. Most of the distilleries in Kentucky, if not all, are sitting on top of limestone aquifers uh, that can pull that water out. I think it maintains like 30 to 50 degrees at all times um, and helps, you know, distill that bourbon. Uh, bourbon is America's only native spirit. On May 4th, 1965, Congress declared that bourbon is unique to the United States. Bourbon must be aged in a new charred oak barrel. Once the barrel has been used, it usually becomes furniture or firewood. Other barrels are used for aging soy sauce, while most end up in the United Kingdom to make scotch whiskeys. Also, here's a note from me. You cannot add any type of flavoring to whiskey. 
and still call it bourbon. There, there cannot be any flavorings added to make it bourbon. You can have flavored whiskey, but you can't have flavored bourbon. Uh, let's see. Next up, during World War II, many Kentucky distilleries were uh, altered to produce penicillin. Penicillin, like bourbon, is produced through fermentation, so distillers helped produce the antibiotic while it was in short supply. Just like the pandemic now, they were they were making uh, sanitizer. Um, so the bourbon distilleries are are useful to society whenever they can't make that beautiful whiskey for us. Bourbon is a $8.6 billion industry in Kentucky, generating 20,100 jobs with an annual payroll of $1 billion. Next, if you're up to explore a little history and sample some bourbon, who is not up for that, Kentucky's Bourbon Trail features 37 distilleries, bourbon-themed restaurants, and historic hotels. In 2019, the Bourbon Trail attracted 1.3 million visits, and you can find it online, bourbontrail.com. It talks about all the different distilleries uh, from Bullet and Jim Beam and Angel's Envy and Heaven Hills and Buffalo Trace. I mean, and it goes on and on and on and on, uh, all the distilleries in the same area there in Kentucky. Number 10, some of the most common and popular, I'm sorry, 11, some of the most common and popular cocktails made using bourbon include the Old Fashioned, Mint Julep, Manhattan, and John Collins. And last but not least, with 4.3 million people, there are now almost two barrels for every person living in Kentucky. That is a lot of whiskey. If you're driving through Kentucky, they just have barns and barns and buildings and buildings just loaded with uh, barrels of bourbon aging off-site um, and on-site some of their distilleries but there's so much bourbon in Kentucky uh, if you're a big bourbon fan I suggest you you make a trip to Kentucky hit some of the distilleries plan ahead Maker's Mark is there and there's so many uh, different distilleries a good time you can do uh, tours you can do tastings check out the scenery they have horse races in kentucky really good time anyways i've been rambling enough we've been on for about 15 or 20 minutes i hope you all have a good morning this has been brad starks at the roto lounge you can find me on twitter at roto lounge hit my dms up let me know if you're interested in getting a bourbon bowl i will talk to you tomorrow morning cheers